There's a well-known cartoon about, as, as it pictures two guys out in the woods, they see a bear and one guy starts putting on his running shoes. The other guy looks at him and says, why are you doing that? You'll never outrun that bear. And the other guy says, I don't have to outrun that bear, I only have to outrun you. (laughs) Jacob had his running shoes on. Last week, we watched as Jacob, grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac, wrangled his elder brother's birthright from Esau. And between then, chapter 25 of Genesis, and today's reading in chapter 28, Their mother, Rebecca, and Jacob have successfully conspired for something else that was Esau's. The blessing of a father to his eldest son was thought to have almost magical powers for goodness to pass along to the son, and it could only be given one time. When Rebecca then heard her husband telling Esau what to do to prepare to receive this blessing, She thought of her favorite son, Jacob, and said, here's what you need to do. And so through trickery, Jacob obtained the blessing that was meant for Esau. Now Jacob has his brother's birthright and his brother's blessing, and Esau is ready to kill him, literally. And so Jacob puts on his running shoes. You ever been in Jacob's shoes? You've stolen something or broken something or hurt someone or burned bridges. You're running from family or former friends or perhaps from God. Today's early story of faith reminds us that we cannot outrun God. God pursues us even into the most distant places. Surely Jacob had learned about God from his father Isaac, but as we know, hearing the good news of God's mercy and love does not mean that one chooses to live according to the ways of God's mercy and love. You may have heard the story that an industrial baron once said to author Mark Twain, before I die, I intend to make a pilgrimage to the land of my Lord. I want to climb to the top of Mount Sinai and read the Ten Commandments aloud. And Mark Twain replied, Why don't you stay home and keep them? Well, the sun was setting on Jacob, so he stopped running for the day. He unlaced his shoes and set up camp for the night. He took a nondescript rock for a pillow. And as he slept, he dreamed vividly of a ladder, or it could mean a ramp or a staircase, bridging the gap between heaven and earth. And we sort of hold on to that archaic view of heaven as being up there somewhere, like God's house is out beyond the Atlantis and the International Space Station. A few weeks ago, we went outside at night, Brian and I did, and we saw the International Space Station as it it crossed over in an arc above our neighbor's house and all the way above our heads, 
and then across back behind our house, and it disappeared behind the trees. So is heaven between us and the International Space Station? Is it beyond? What, what do we mean when we think about heaven and God as up there? In a sense, in this dream, it didn't matter that heaven seemed far away from Jacob because messengers from God were traveling back, well, ascending first, so going up to heaven from earth and descending down this ladder and coming back to earth. And then one of the messengers, or we're told the Lord, stood beside Jacob in his dream and gave him a promise. Promised this land. The Lord promised many descendants. And Jacob was not even married yet. He was in search of a wife. And God promised presence and protection wherever Jacob would go. And when Jacob awoke from that dream, he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And then he says, and he was afraid. He said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. God was present. Jacob's dream was already becoming a reality. For Jacob, God's presence was no longer words, no longer some paternal advice. He now had experienced it. My sister offered this story for us. She was on a train in Hungary when she was talking with a friend who was Catholic, and Lee was saying that she was commenting about her need for some confession time with God. And her Catholic friend, whose practice it was to receive forgiveness and reconciliation only at church and only through a priest, asked, where does she go for that? And Lee could explain that, well, I don't have to go anywhere. I can confess my sins to God on the train, in my apartment, walking down the street, because everywhere is Bethel, the house of God. It reminds me of Dr. Seuss's story, Green Eggs and Ham, and I know this is going to be sacrilegious for some of you, but I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. At the end of Green Eggs and Ham, There's the man who's been running from Sam I Am tries green eggs and ham. And he finds that he likes them, and he begins naming all the places he could eat them. And so our adapted version, based on Jacob's story, is this. I can find God in a box, and I can find God with a fox, and I can find God in a house, and I can find God with a mouse, and I can find God here and there, Say, I can find God anywhere. So, I'm sorry if that offends you. But, you know, it's as simple and it's as profound as a children's book. God can be found anywhere. We still tend to separate heaven above, earth on our level, and even hell beneath us somewhere. Even though, you know, if we think through it, We can only come up with Dante's 
imagined inferno, but there's been no scientific evidence of that below us. A doctor tells about going to see a patient who is just coming out of anesthesia. Church chimes were sounding in the distance, and the woman murmured, I must be in heaven. And then she saw this doctor, and she said, No, I can't be. There's Dr. Campbell. The psalm designated for today, and we used part of it in our call to worship, is number 139. In our pulpit Bible, it has the title, The Inescapable God. It reminds us that God does not make these three divisions that we do. O Lord, it begins, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there, or if I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Some suggest that Jacob's dream foretells Jesus as the ramp bridging heaven and earth but we can bring it even closer. God's abode is not out in space somewhere. It's here on earth with us and with all creatures, with everything that is around us. We're studying from the first book of the Bible, but the last revelation has a similar vision when John of Patmos hears a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. Is this the future, or is it the present? We'll soon sing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God pursues you? Do you believe that everywhere you go, is the house of God? For the missionaries going to Standing Rock this week, you will want to remind each other of this. Because when you are tired from traveling or cleaning, or when that cute little kid will not listen, and especially if the temperatures next week are like they are this week, 98, 102, you are not going to think you're in heaven but somewhere else entirely But that blue gym will be the house of God. 
The carpet square beside that child listening to the story will be the dwelling place of God. The extra chair beside the mother at the sewing machine will be the place where God lives. These places where God lives also become the places where God becomes alive to others. Those of us who remain here similarly traverse holy ground. The checkout line is Bethel. The homes in which we gather with family and friends are dwelling places of God as well. The buildings where we work or volunteer also can be called the house of God. Before Jacob left to continue his journey, he took the stone he had used as a pillow and he used it to mark the place and he named it Bethel, house of God. And so Standing Rock missionaries, with the rock that you have chosen and I hope will carry with you, I encourage you to place it somewhere special. When something happens and you realize that surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, then take your rock out of your pocket and just leave it there. And that will be your altar to God. And then remember that place in your mind. Maybe even take a picture of it with your phone and say, this is the place where I found God. The keys that you received are uncarved. They are as memories. And so as you go through this week and carry that, you might think about where the gaps are, where you might carve your own key to make it a special place, a special memory that you can then bring back and uh, keep those thoughts and those memories and those experiences with you. An altar is a, a place where we recognize God, a place of thanksgiving, a place where we experience God's presence or protection, which continues to encourage us as it did with Jacob. And I pray that that will be true for you all. A friend of mine at my seminary told the story of when her brother was four and got mad and wanted to run away. He packed up a bag and he started leaving and his mom told him he couldn't take that stuff with him because she had paid for it, so it was hers. So he put down the bag and he headed out onto the porch and she said, I paid for those clothes too. He took off his shirt, but when he got to his pants, he decided he would just stay home. Everything we need is right here at home. And everywhere we go is our home because it is also God's dwelling place. God dwells with us. May we pray. Remind us again, O oh God, how powerful and meaningful and present you are as you keep us in these coming days. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.